Hello, welcome to Leaving in Color, a podcast about uncovering your radiant self after losing your faith. I am your host, Christina Elmer. I'm so delighted you found us. Hi, thank you so much for listening to the first part of Marcos's story. Before we jump into part two, I wanted to personally express my thanks to everyone who supported the podcast in every which way that they could. I am so incredibly grateful. Thank you. Now, please join me for part two of Marcos's incredible story. The thing about that's interesting being a Mormon and having a friend that you know might be gay, but hasn't officially come out to you. And you don't obviously want to make assumptions, but I just, I remember like, you know, cause we're taught, you know, love the sin, the sinner, not the sin. And it's hard to navigate that. And I remember looking back thinking, oh God, I, I love Marcos, but how do I really truly love him? You know, like how can I come, oh. come to a space where, and that's that was an interesting journey for me. Like I was thinking about something that I said to you <laughs> once and I was like, don't get married on my birthday. Do you remember that? We were texting and I think it was just like Prop 8 was like such a huge deal at that oh. time in California. Oh, you yes, know? yes, yes. And I look back that's on it right. with a little bit of shame. That's like, right. who the fuck did I think I was? Like, he should be able to do whatever he wants. It was just the Mormon side of me. And like um, my fiance and I talk about this sometimes because he's also ex-Mormon and we've talked about like the shit that we've said when we were Mormon and my sister who left the church way before me like likes to laugh about some of the things I said to her while I was a Mormon and (laughs) just a little bit shameful and just like oh I wasn't like you know but you're only just leading from a space of your own understanding in that moment like I I feel like once I was able to look beyond myself and look beyond what I had been taught for so long that I was able to actually fully, truly love people and really have that understanding, as you said, that like when you were, you know, learning about the Lamanites and really just understanding that you can create your own story from your own experience. I feel like once I got to a space where I'm like, okay, I can actually understand what Jesus is trying to teach me, you know, that I just really Mm -hmm. just love people. I don't need to bring in anything about how they identify or who they love or anything. But it's a process because we're not, we're not taught that. I feel like um, the kids that are being born, our own kids or our nieces and nephews are at a higher advantage than we ever were because we grew up with parents who, I don't know, if your family was like this, but we didn't talk about a lot of things in our home, like and we didn't know how to have conversations, mm-hmm. tough conversations. And I feel like the children right. that I'm raising today, hopefully will be able to have more empathy and be able to have tough conversations with their friends. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if they have a friend that's navigating, if we want to call it this, I don't even know if it's the right term, but, you know, a crisis of sexual identity or even personal identity, oh. how do you come oh. to them and say, truthfully and like empathetically like how obviously want to make assumptions you what are you needing you know right i feel like we're we're much more equipped now with the tools as you and i have grown like we're going to look into this a little bit more but about you know things that have helped you heal and to become the person obviously that experience in your 20s has brought you to the amazing well-rounded empathetic 
kind human. But I, I feel like you were already a lot of those things when we met at BYU. Like I, there was oh, just no. something really like I craved being around you oh. when we were in school. Like, and I was thinking about like how we met and we met through my roommate, right? Because mm. she was also very involved in the multi- multicultural um Yes. Stuff and we with had BYU. Met. And I really wasn't. Yes. Yeah. And I really wasn't. I feel like that I really missed out on a lot with that. But that relationship with my roommate, that was kind of funny. We've talked about it before. But like, I'm really, truly grateful for her bringing you into my life and the people that I met through you. There was just something about your energy. And like, you know, I have the belief now, and if we take Mormonism out of it, you know, I do believe that souls have, you know, different iterations of a lifetime, you know, and um, we have different lifetimes, whether in the Mormon sense, we think about meeting in heaven in the preexistence. But now my belief has evolved to that. I've everyone that I've met in this lifetime, I've met in a previous one. And, you know, you just don't know who you're going to meet and when you're going to meet them and how they impact your life. Mm -hmm. And I want to thank you for giving me just a beautiful insight into life, you know, and just like you sharing your, your story with me here today. And cause I don't, we've not actually just sat and talked right. a whole lot about right. the, the difficulty that went through that you went through in your twenties. And I've always just seen this beautiful side to you and it's still there. And I just, it's gotten more expansive and if I want to use the term glorious, that's, that's coming to mind. Oh, I just, you. you're just so full of light and your empathy just like seeps out of every pore of your body and just your love for humans. And it speaks to the experience that you went through, that you were able to really take strength. Like you had the strength in you and now it's just like made you into this like superhuman. <laughs> well, <thank laughs> and I feel so like much. the work that you're doing now with engaging with the Chicano community and advocacy, right? I feel like the work that you're doing now is, you know, you're aligning with what you're wanting. And I feel like that has not come just by by chance. I feel like it's something that you were meant to do and meant to be. Thank you all. Thank you so That's much. Beautiful. No, absolutely. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about you know, so after your 20s and, you know, you had the support of the person that you were partnered with at the time and their family. And can you speak to any other experiences or people, things that really aided in your becoming who you are today yeah. as a human? And also, um, what's your relationship with Mormonism, not so much Mormonism, but maybe just in with religion or spirituality. Yeah. Okay, yeah, totally. Let's see, some things that really helped me to kind of come into my own and help just me survive or thrive. One was honestly concentrating on work at the time was really helpful, and concentrating on work, concentrating on school. Because um, I ended up because of my detour from BYU, I I took two different paths for school. And so working on that, um, it was really good. I don't say distraction because it was my life, but it ended up being a distraction from some of the more challenging parts and just focus on the challenges of work and being a student and balancing that with the relationship, just everyday life, right? Um, that yeah. kind of 
dominated and distracted. So that was helpful. And then when there was free time, you know, having the support system of friends and family that I was, I had slowly opened up to or had in my life. I was still very selective on who I would tell because I hadn't talked to my family about it yet. Mm. So that's why, that's the main reason why I delayed on like being fully open with everyone because I didn't want that to get back to my family um, because I kind of learned the hard way with that. So support system was helpful, just focusing on my own goals and my own life. I remember at that time, I would pray every day to just try to be a good person in what I would do um, and to do a good job, whatever I was doing. And that helped give me a sense of peace and kind of helped give me some direction. Mm -hmm. That was very helpful. Yeah. So, I mean, those are very simple things, but honestly, it's what really helped me just really focusing on focusing on in my own lane because it's so easy to, I make a lot of analogies with like, driving and like streets and yeah, freeways. I love it. Because so much of your life in California is driving and in the car. Yeah. And, yes. <laughs> um, so it's so easy to focus on like the lane next to you, right? Or who's coming in the opposite direction. But if you focus right. so much on that, you're going to veer off out of your lane, right? And yeah. so if you focus on yourself and focus on your life while still paying attention and being mindful of what's going around you mm. and letting people in when it's safe to do so, right? Yeah. Then... That is what's worked best for me because I have noticed yeah. in moments where I get too caught up in what other people are doing and other people's lives or what's coming my way from other people. It puts me in a space I don't like being in and I need to kind of check myself in those moments, right? And just focus on yourself, yeah. try to tune out the noise, um, tune out the distractions. Um, so things like that were really helpful to me, but I was very thankful for the support and love that I did have in my life and really reflecting on my life in general, specifically adulthood, like I am so truly grateful for the love that I have had. So present day and past, you know, after my previous boyfriend long-term relationship, after we ended, um, I knew when, when the day would come, when I would start something new, which I didn't know when that would happen. Um, yeah. I hope it would happen again, but when it did happen, I was, I knew I had to do it differently this time. Mm. And I knew that, immediately I have to do it differently this time. So whether we, with, with having conversations with my family, what, you know, certain things I have to do differently. Um, so when I met my now husband, um, I was more in a state where I was ready to do that. And mm. that's when it started changing for me and being more open to the world, to the masses um, of this, basically this is just who I am. And Um, I didn't really care as much what anyone thought about it. And because before we started our, my previous relationship, we started very young and we endured all of our young adulthood together and all those Mm. ups and downs of that. And we really helped each other get through those things. So we did what worked for us in the situation and where we were at at with our lives. And then now I knew some things had to be different. So um, it really gave me a lot of courage after that. Um, that unfortunately, I wasn't able to give my previous relationship um, because of societal and at the time church yeah. things at time and familial um, factors that were in place. So I wasn't able to do that, and that's something that I have apologized for. Mm. But I was so thankful that I was able to then do that with my now husband, and that we were able to navigate yeah. from a different space. Um, while taking the strength from the past, 
and the knowledge I gained and insight, but now being able to apply that um, in my marriage um, has been, has been very rewarding. And it's funny because when people want, you know, oftentimes society or um, naysayers don't see the point before when marriage, when same sex marriage first became legalized in the whole country, there were some people yeah. against it. Now there's a lot less because it's become more normalized. But yeah. I remember at that time when my husband and I were shopping for our wedding, planning our wedding, is the most validation I've ever felt being a gay man. And it's something that's Beautiful. so unfortunate and sad because it shouldn't have to take yeah. that to experience right. that. But it was when actually people, you could actually converse without you know someone wincing or if you have to hire them for something for it, that it's just normalized. Yeah. And I never right. have felt that before, even though I should have. Mm. And so that felt very nice. Um, yeah. Now, you don't necessarily need external validation, but it felt nice to have that almost like for once, yeah. one of the very few times um, and in a public sphere. So it felt, yeah, it felt nice. It felt very nice. And it really do think once we, even before we got married, I felt courage because Pulse, the Pulse shootings happened right around the same time when my husband and I first were like, became official and we're getting, we were now, you know, a couple and, and along our journey and the Pulse shooting happened. And I just read, that's the first time I specifically posted on social media about specifically Mm -hmm. being a gay person. Before they were like, you know, alluding to things or there had been like a photo, but with no explanation, never said it, yeah. no relationship status, anything. Yeah. And it was at this moment where I specifically said it. Um, I assumed most knew already, but I still didn't say it. So you don't 100% know. Yeah. And I, at that point, I'm like, if people are literally dying for this, I need to not let anything stop me from being vocal about who I am. Because yeah. these were primarily LGBTQ+. Plus, people of color specifically, yeah. you know, primarily Latinos. And it was like, I can't just sit back. And I know not posting about it is not necessarily too much action. However, it was still something that meant something to me as an individual. Yeah, for sure. And then I, I felt very grateful that I think it was five years after the shootings, um, they had a like a charity walk for it. And I was able to participate in that. It was a virtual oh, one. And so it felt very full circle for me. Yeah. And, you know, it was in pandemic shape, pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I, I forced myself through those, through those three miles <laughs> because it meant so much. <laughs> yeah. It meant so much. Yeah. Um, so that was just little things and hearing from other people's strength, other people's stories. Also, too, educationally, my educational pursuits really helped me because Prior to coming out to my parents, um, my primary identity was my ethnicity. That was something that mm. I was very vocal about still. Um, but I, you know, the whole gay factor, the whole queer factor, LGBTQ factor was more like very selective about it. Yeah. But through my classes and my major and courses, I was able to see you don't have to choose. You know what I mean? Mm. You could be both. They're both yeah. part of who you are. And the intersectionality was, was very much intersectionality was very much emphasized within my studies that it really helped me as an individual to challenge myself yeah. and to learn and develop. Um, so I'm very thankful for that. And 
when I finished my bachelor's, it was before like social justice became like a fad and a trend and normalized. Mm -hmm. So I'm very, (laughs) I'm very glad that I had that experience Mm -hmm. when I did, because it really helped equip me for my future. Um, So I'm very, very thankful for that. And I had such amazing faculty and staff who were so supportive of me. And it was around the same time that I had the official talk with my family, with my parents. Mm. So having them as support, um, when I did have a hard time with certain things, and just figuring out so many things now as an adult learner, a non-traditional student, balancing it all, I'm so thankful that I had people in my corner to help support me. So I'm just very, very lucky for the love that I've had, um, both romantically, you know, platonically and just professionally as well. I'm just so thankful. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. I, I love that, you know, through this process of leaving or not leaving Mormonism, but like finding yourself outside of the confines of Mormonism, right? that you were still able to find community in a sense. And what a beautiful gift from your first partnership, you know, as you're navigating being a gay man, you know, trying to figure that out. Right. And what a beautiful gift that they gave you to say, I understand that this is difficult and that they sat with you in that space. But also how amazing of you to come back, you know, later and say, you know, I'm sorry that I wasn't able to do that. Maybe I'm wrong in that. But I feel like it was a gift from them. Right. Because they didn't push you to then, you know, say, because you know, they, they could have could have gone differently. But I love that they were so supportive of you and the journey and really understanding your need at that time and just then gave you the safe space to then eventually branch out and, you know, then come into your own when you were ready to do it, but that they held the container for you to do that. And I think that is so beautiful. And then you went on to get your degree. And could you tell us what your your degree is in? Yeah. um, So my bachelor's was in um, Chicano studies. Okay. And um, my master's is in Indigenous people's law. Okay. So both ethnic studies related. um, Yes. And just different aspects and, you know, different areas and different groups. But um, it's very much something that interests me and fuels me. And I love that you were called in that direction because you started out at BYU as a communications major. Exactly. And that you found that through this journey in your 20s, you know, you came into your identity as a Chicano man and Latino man and you chose that as your study, but then you found community in that. Yes. You know, and it's beautiful because I, for a lot of people leaving religious systems and religious beliefs, often the biggest thing that they lose is community, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so being able to find that in a form that ties you further into your identity, your family history, your culture, that's so incredible. Just starting out with, you know, here we are in Mormonism and we're you're being taught that your brown skin is a not curse, beautiful and it's, yeah. <laughs> and it's a curse. And then to now like years, you know, decades later and just really finding beauty in who you are and sharing that and that is so beautiful. Yeah, no, you're right. So powerful. You're right. I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful that that happened. And then I had my segue in education. Um, yeah. Because I was planning on still keeping communications and like double okay. majoring. 
just, okay. you know, I'm like I just to have his extra background and who knows, maybe one day I will seek a, a degree in that just to yeah. pay homage to past Marcos. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I remember sitting in, I remember sitting in comms 101 with you and it just was like, it was, it was almost a joke of a class. Like, <laughs> I still have like doodles that we did because the cost was just so ridiculous. <laughs> so good for you for sticking with it. I obviously didn't, but you know. Yeah, it, I, I, it's just interesting how it works. You know, when I went back to school, I was now a working adult, still very young and still, you know, yeah. barely still college age, but I related more to the older adults in my class. Yeah. I was taking night classes at the time. I was, you know, 22. I felt more, I was bonding with people 10 years older than me. And yeah. um, when I was doing like the on camera work, I just wasn't feeling it anymore at the time. Mm, and I liked yeah. the more behind the scenes at the time mm. and the editing and the, the creation aspect. Um, so I was like, oh, Camille, I'll just double major. And then as time went on, I'm like, you know, that's not going to work out. Yeah. But I knew for sure I had to do Chicano studies. I took a class and it was a sociology okay. class. And this class was like life changing, to be honest. Mm. And the professor was amazing. The class, the course content was great, but it was a field trip we went on because she was very open to like what students wanted. And she's like, we should go somewhere. And um, it was also like an afternoon, uh, evening course. And there was, uh, you know, Dia de los Muertos, the Day of the Dead. And this is before that too became uh, much more well-known and now very yeah. mainstream. And I had never heard of it before. I had never celebrated it before, even though that was from my culture. My family didn't yeah. celebrate it, at least the generations that I've been alive, then they didn't celebrate it. And there was uh, an event at a local art center that has had been doing these celebrations for a long time, for decades. And when we went, I, that's where I truly felt like where I found my people was at this event. Yeah. Just because there was art minded, there was focus on indigeneity, there were, um, you know, obviously queer people there, all celebrating our culture, our history, ancestors and our and our families. I just found it so beautiful. And that's truly where I felt like ice is where I belong. And that kind of yeah. like set the, set the stage for what I changed my studies. So, yeah. I love that. Was there that option for Chicano studies at BYU? I know that they had like Asian, like they had their international studies program because I actually was looking into getting like my degree in Asian studies. Oh, nice. Did they have anything like that at BYU when you were there? Or BYU, tend, they tend to be more focused on people and subjects from abroad than they are about people of color within this country. Yeah. <laughs> in, yeah. in my experience. Okay. Um, even at the time we were there, if I looked at the stats right, they had more international students than they did students yes. of color from the United States. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that's sure. definitely interesting. But though they don't have a Chicano Studies program, um, they do have a Latin okay. American Studies program. Um, I'm not sure if they okay. do incorporate some courses uh, about the United States or not. Um, but they did yeah. definitely, last time I looked, they don't have anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm so thankful that my pathway yeah, did just... lead me to something different. Cause, yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Had I stayed yeah. at BYU, it wouldn't have happened. That's what I was going to say. Mm -hmm. Your time at BYU was necessary right? to then get you onto this trajectory, this path of where you are now. And it's also unexpected, right? Like you said, you have a map for your life. Yes. You have something planned out. This is the way it's supposed to go. And then 
sometimes it's disheartening for folks yeah. when it doesn't go according to their plan, especially like we can talk about this within Mormonism. There's something called the patriarchal blessing, which oh, is yes. essentially just like a prescription for your right. life that's given by a man that claims to hold power from God mm -hmm. to give you inspiration as to what you are supposed to do with your life. And granted, you have a conversation with the person before they give you this. It's called a, a blessing. But it's just interesting because sometimes we hold, I knew that I held so deeply to yeah. it because mine talked, you know, about like connecting with ancestors, which, right. you know, I was already kind of called to do, but just you know, had to do with things like music, which I'm not doing anything with music now, you know, but that's what I was like very involved in. So it was kind of hard to remove myself from that and understand that I get to create a life of my own. And I feel like you've done that for yourself. You said this is, this isn't working out and yet it's difficult and I have to hide so many parts of myself, right. but I'm just going to fucking do it. And that is just like, full-on badassery <laughs> right there and just like speaks to the strength whether you were taught that in your home and given to that by your parents or just you were came into this world that your soul was just like this is what I meant to do and you followed you followed your bliss and I just I think that is just so amazing and it's not an easy thing to do for sure it's not but just hearing your story and how you've gotten to where you are is just like, fuck yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. And just like, you know, the little, even just like the small little pivots that you've made, you know, trying out a relationship with a man. And then, you know, that that evolved into something else and figuring out, oh, I want something more. And then figuring that out and coming into that. And now you have a beautiful relationship with a wonderful man. And you have this beautiful life that you guys have created for yourselves that no one else has said, this is how you have to do it. You right. you guys sat down and decided that this is what you guys wanted for your life. And I think that it's difficult to do that. But once you get on the path, there's almost, I don't know if you felt this way um, coming into where you are now, but once you start, you almost can't stop. Mm -hmm. You know, like when you're on the path of self-discovery and finding out who you are, it's hard to stop. It's almost like your soul is calling you. Mm -hmm. To move into that space and you if you stop it's almost to a disservice and that's true you know that's a good point and it kind of goes back to your previous question too about my thoughts about like spirituality or you know and or religion yeah. now and that's something that's really worked for me it's you know i remember being a you know a young mormon person and i wasn't extra zealous by any means but it did matter a lot to me and yeah i same. did find it harder that you can't really there were some things I thought you can't pick and choose. You just are either all in or oh, you're yeah. all out for the most part. Yeah, for but sure. But without being overly zealous. Yeah, you can't be a cafeteria yeah. Mormon where you just go like <laughs> to a buffet and just like pick and choose parts of right, it, you know, right. to stay in. Like it's very, it's somewhat restrictive. Like some people can stay in, Yeah, you know, I can also think it speaks to whoever your current patriarchal or the parochial leader is right. in your congregation. Right. There has to be a little bit of leeway with that. But, it reminds yeah. me real Sorry, quick. Continue. I'm going to segue real quick. It reminds me what you just said. Yeah. There was an incident, uh, instance at BYU, I remember, in the in the Wilk. In the Wilkinson's, at the Wilk, in the Wilkinson yes. Center. At yes, the Wilk. at the Wilk, having... The Student Center. <laughs> having... For those of you who are not yes, familiar sorry, with BYU sorry. terms, the Wilkinson Center. <laughs> it's okay. It's all good. Having dinner um, with a couple people and... 
one of the individuals who I was not close with, but we were part of the same organization at the time. And he mm-hmm. prayed externally, visibly prayed, you know, over his food. And I didn't. If I do it in, in public, I want to say it to myself. Yeah. And he had a problem with that. Oh. And it's like, okay, opposed to you, like, am I... And so I thought like he was putting on a show. You could do it inside your head. He called me out for not putting on a show. But anyway, so I wasn't overly Mm. zealous in that regard, um, which I'm very thankful for looking back on it. But now I'll fast forward. So then, um, so kind of like what you were saying, I have found is actually the opposite that because we are adults with agency, we can pick and choose exactly what we want in our life Mm -hmm. and what we don't want in our life. And that's really worked well for me. So whether it be about spirituality, whether it be about religion, whether it be about societal expectations, familial expectations, cultural norms, whatever it might be, is you have to choose what works for you and take out what doesn't. Yeah. And so like regarding like spirituality and like religion, faith is still very much important to me. So I still pray regularly. Technically, I still do pray the Mormon way. I, that's just always the way I was taught. It's worked for me. And I sometimes, yeah, it's okay. I'll, that's I'll sometimes great. give slightly different openings and closings, but for the most part, it's exactly how I was taught. Yeah. Just sometimes if I'm in a rush in my head, I may just skip the openings and closings. Um, however, I have expanded upon it to where when I was in my studies, I took a class on Guadalupe. Mm, okay. And I remember I was going through a very hard time at that time. And I remember saying a quick prayer to Guadalupe as well, because I felt that she as a woman would be beneficial to me as a gay man. Mm. And almost like she was like the goddess of the gays is kind of how I saw it at that moment. It's beautiful. And that was helpful for me um, to have that moment. I think I prayed to her a couple of times and, you know, while I still pray to God, you know, through Christ, the way we're taught in Mormonism, I, you know, I prayed to Guadalupe. I have tapped into ancestors to try to ask for help with support and guidance and, you know, relatives who passed on, uh, different things like that. So to prayer candles, you know, my husband's Catholic. So, okay. um, that kind of coincides with the Guadalupe aspect, um, as well as I've always just l- enjoyed spiritual imagery. Yeah. So I have many like, bracelets that have saints on them, um, things like that. I just, wherever I can get strength and spirituality and guidance from while I know many, much of organized religion can be very problematic. Yeah. Um, the whole colonial aspect, the whole patriarchal, um, anti-LGBTQ. I know there's been a lot of destruction from religion throughout the ages and still, but I feel okay, there's also been a lot of good too, like yeah. the sense of community, the sense of being there when people need support. Just the idea of faith and community um, is really important to me. So I try to pick and choose. I don't participate in any organized religion anymore. However, um, my husband and I have gone to like a parish that was LGBTQ friendly. We went there a couple times um, when we were dating. I am excited when I do drive by churches that have the rainbow flag in front of it. Yes. So I'm like, at least there's somewhere if I want to go one Sunday, yeah. I, there's somewhere I could go. For sure. Um, just yesterday, I sent an email to a local church that showed up as an ad on, on Facebook. Uh-huh. And I asked, are you LGBTQ friendly? Oh. I don't think they're going to respond. Yeah. Because um, that, that gives me what I need to know. But I think in the back of my mind, I do want 
somewhere to go if I feel like I want yeah. to or feel like I need it. But in the meantime, it's all about prayer to me. And um, just trying, I feel like the importance of doing good for others. Yeah. If there is an organized religion that I can find that they are inclusive, like genuinely, sincerely inclusive, that they do just want to help build community and help the overall community, then something I'd be open to. I'm also open to learning about, you know, you mentioned about, you asked if I had a Book of Mormon at home. Um, we actually have a lot of spiritual texts at home. I so, um, so we have the Quran. I think the only like major one that comes to mind that we don't have is the Torah. Okay. But we have like the Quran, we have the Book of Mormon, we have the Bible, we have some Buddhist texts as well. Christ is also so very important to me. I couldn't ever give him up fully yeah. for me. So it's like, I would be willing to add to him but without taking him away. Yeah. Indigenous spirituality is very important to me as well, um, whether it be nature, ancestors, and just learning more yeah. about that as well is very important to me. Um, just because I sometimes think about, well, what did my ancestors do mm. before Christianity was forced upon yeah. them? You know? Yeah. So things like that are very important to me as well. Um, and with my identity and with Mexican folk religion in general, there is a syncretism already of indigenous practices combined with catholicism so i think that's something that really appeals to me as well so i'm very open yeah as well as at the same time while trying to be respectful of those who practice their religion you know religiously um including family members it's um, important to try to honor tradition honor history honor present practices while still being true to yourself and knowing when you need to set boundaries yeah, when sure. others do try um, putting that on you as well. Yeah, it's beautiful. The thing that I I got from that was just the the ability to choose, right? The agency, which we yes. taught yes. as young Mormon kids. It's like, you know, agency is super important. And Christ, you know, essentially gave his life for us that we could have agency. Right. Um, unfortunately, my own with my own personal experience, um, agency feels different within Mormonism. And yeah, um, yeah. coming outside of it, and I just, I saw this as you were explaining um, your being able to choose spirituality in your life and religion or and how that works in your life. It's just being able to actually choose, right? You know, we actually get to choose mm-hmm. for ourselves and how freeing that is to say, you know, I love I... aspects of Mormonism. I love aspects of Buddhism and I can read from the Quran and take parts of it that I love right. or from Buddhist text or, you know, just being able to have that and to choose and say, I can actually do this for myself. Like there's so much into being able to take back that power. Right. Exactly. We didn't have that power. The power was taken from us, which we mm-hmm. were made to believe that we had the power ultimately, right? Because we have the Holy Ghost, the Spirit in us. But when it came down to it, I didn't feel like I had that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you felt the same way, but sometimes I would get what I, what we would call a Mormonism inspiration. Mm-hmm. And I would be shut down and told, no, that's not actual. That's not true. But that we were also told that, you know, we could receive it for ourselves, but we necessarily couldn't receive it for other people in a way which yeah for the organization which necessarily we didn't need to do that but sometimes like with children for me for example like 
with my kids, like I would feel strongly about something and I would be told, well, that doesn't make any sense. You know, you're a woman. Wow. But it's like, you know, I, but I'm, I'm tapping into what I've been taught, you Mm. know, and Mm. I'm trusting what I've been taught, but you're now telling me that I can't, or even like, you know, serving within the Mormon church in different organizations. And like, yes, you're given the opportunity, but ultimately the bishop is going to say, that's not going to work. And I was like, but I feel strongly about this, but someone ultimately has the final say, which doesn't takes the power out of it again. It's just so interesting, like navigating spirituality, Mm post-Mormonism. It's just, you know, can I actually try that? You know, is that okay? Can I actually try that? Is that something that's allowed and something that, you know, I don't know if you tried it within Mormonism, just trying different spiritual things. Like, you know, my family in Japan are Buddhist and Shinto. And Mm -hmm. I always felt weird going to like a Buddhist temple or Shinto shrine where before, if you've been to Japan, where you wash your hands before you enter the sacred part of the temple, you know, you clean your hands and then you go to a certain part of the temple and you throw in a coin and you like breathe in the smoke and allow it to cleanse you before you offer an offering. Mm -hmm. And as a young child, that felt very irreverent and disrespectful Mm -hmm. to Mormonism. Right. But as an adult, like, as you found with, you know, tapping into your family history and who you identify as a Chicano man, just like recognizing that that's a part of yourself, right? We can't, Mm -hmm. and being told that we have to sacrifice that part of ourselves to believe in just one being doesn't feel right because, well, what about me? You know, what about Marcos? What about Christina and the years of tradition, with our with our family and you shouldn't have to choose yeah right? and i feel like that's such a disservice and i feel like there could be beauty in both tapping into the indigenous practices of your people and holding on to christ as your savior and i feel like right. being able to meld the two of those has so much more power for a person than just having one option i remember when we were growing up there was a general conference where uh, one of the general authorities in his talk said that if a cultural practice is at odds with a church doctrine yeah. or policy, then you always go with the church policy yeah, or doctrine. And, that... and I remember some people being so excited about that. Um, yeah. People who didn't look like us were very excited <laughs> about that because, you know, they could see that there were some yeah. cultures that still held on to their cultural beliefs and practices. Yeah. And they felt it was at odds. But to hear that was so frustrating. Even, you know, being very devout and being in the church, yeah. hearing that was very frustrating. It was just like, yeah, for sure. That shouldn't happen. Um, and I, this is something separate and not from my own culture. But I remember at BYU, I took a yoga class. I was so mm-hmm. excited. But I remember a family member kind of asking, because that was before yoga became mm, yeah, what, what it, it became now. mainstream. Yeah. yeah. I remember them asking about it, like, it's, it's how was that coincide with, like, the church? Because they mm. saw, like, the, reli- the spiritual aspect of it. Yeah. Which I found interesting. I'm like, well, why can't we incorporate that? You know what I mean? Yeah. And why, why can't you do both? Yeah. This has been a cultural practice for a very long time. Yeah. And why should that conflict with anything that the church is yeah. also teaching? Mormonism doesn't hold the the exclusive rights to spirituality, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. although we're led to believe that. But I, I feel like it's gotten just in the last couple years, they've been much more um, 
less harsh with things. Like they just changed mm. some of their policy right. in the way of like tattooing, you know, because we have we had friends, you know, that grew up traditionally, yeah. you know, their families would have gotten mm -hmm. tattooed, mm -hmm. you know, and tattoos all over their body because it was just a representation of other people, their culture, right. their heritage. And, you know, it's segregating and cutting out a group of people that probably could benefit from some aspects of Mormonism. If you were to convert to the church, right, and you have tattoos, it's different. But being within Mormonism and having that be a part of your tradition, you know, centuries long to tattoo, you know, your devotion to God or whatever the representation might be, to have that be forbidden right. and to keep you from certain promises and within Mormonism feels feels harsh, you know? Right. Oh, definitely. Definitely. There's a lot to unpack. But, um, you know, you said that you still have a relationship with God mm -hmm. or with, with Jesus. Mm -hmm. How has that evolved? Like, what does God look like to you now versus the God that we were taught about? Is it similar or has it evolved in some way based upon what you've told me of your your current spiritual practices? Great question. Um, to be honest, I think it kind of depends at the mo on the moment because mm. I'm, I'm assuming you've experienced this too, you know, with Mormonism, Mormonism being such a culture and with things mm -hmm. being embedded in you, there's some things that yeah. will always remain. Yeah. There's somewhere in your subconscious, right? And they'll come out out of nowhere. Yeah. So I still have those moments that's like, oh, well, what if? Right. And it's like, okay, no, 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 no. Yeah. We're not going down that path. That's stop it. Cause you know, it's just always going to be there and that's okay. I see God as loving. I think mm. he's a loving God. I know I say he, but I do believe that God does defy gender. I definitely don't believe in a patriarchal racist vengeful God. And I definitely believe that science comes into play and evolution regarding people's skin tone or eye shape or other facial features or stature. Yeah. Um, I don't feel it had anything to do with cursing, being cursed or being a, a bad brother, <laughs> whether we're talking biblical or yeah. Mormon. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I definitely believe in a loving God that is there to help you anytime you need it um, and to help support yeah. you. And along with that, give you, provide intuition. I do say universe a lot as well, because I do believe that's something that could also be inc inclusive of God, but also separate from God to where, yeah. like you mentioned, energy and, and then, you know, manifestation and karma. Um, I think it's all very much included, but I would like to think that God's always there for me as he is for everyone. And that's something that's hard to get to at times when you're told that who you are is a sin. Yeah. So I like to think that I've overcome that. Yeah. But it is hard because when you are growing up with that, um, there's a lot of feelings that come from it. So yeah. with Christ, I definitely feel like I pair him up with God. But yeah, I mean, I... I don't feel something that's very specific because I don't feel God has a checklist. And this is something that I mm. realized a long time ago. I don't think God's up there with a clipboard saying, did you do this? Did you do that? Did you not do yeah. this? Did you not do that? Okay, you're going right. here. You're going there. Get out of here. You're never seeing yeah. your family again. Ugh. 
I also believe that for the most part, any sort of spiritual practice or religion has something that you could take from it that would be beneficial, that yes. would be helpful, that would help you to be a better person. Um, as well as the opposite, many have things that I wouldn't want to take from, or certain aspects I wouldn't want to take from. Yeah. I still pray a lot. But when I was growing up Mormon, I prayed even more because mm-hmm. I, I felt too that I had less people to talk to about things. Mm, yeah. Um, and or I was less open to talking to people about certain things to where now I do do, I use like my husband or close friends or to discuss things with, uh, in addition to prayer. Yeah. So that has shifted. Um, but I do know at the end of the day, prayer just gives me a lot of comfort. Yeah. Um, I combine it too with like meditation or mm. like a mantra idea. Yeah. I just kind of lump it with that. Um, and so I feel like between God and Christ and ancestors and Guadalupe and saints and any other deities who are helping me, I do feel that it's also with myself, right? That positive self-talk. Yeah is also being all combined to help me with whatever I need help with. Yeah. No, that's beautiful. And that's perfect. I think it's what you want it to be, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's beautiful. Ultimately, we get to decide, right? We're here to figure mm-hmm. out what our soul's purpose is. And the more the more people we have on our team, on our spiritual team, I think right. the better, you know? Right. Well... Two more questions, and then I think yeah. that I know because I feel like we could talk for hours and hours and hours, and it's you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But I know that you, this is your day <laughs> off, and you want to spend it with your sweetheart. Um, if you could go back in time and tell your 18 year old self at BYU that sweet, kind, bubbly, charismatic human that I love and I still love, you're still the same human, but if you could go back as you know, your 40-year-old self and tell him something, what would you tell him? Oh, that's a good one. I would tell him that the rest of his life will not be what he expected. That he's on the right path, even though it may not feel like it at times because it's so hard, but he's doing the right thing by trying to figure himself out when he is. And he's going to meet people along the way that are going to help him and provide support. And he'll meet people that he'll be able to help and provide support. And that along this process to not doubt himself or when he is doubting himself, keep on walking because things will get eventually get easier and to not give up on himself, to not give up on his path, and to not give up on what he wants out of life. Because just because it might have a different time frame, it doesn't mean he's any less worthy of what's to come. It doesn't mean he's anything to be ashamed of. And even though relationships with others may be different than he would have expected, whether he's loving them from afar or up close, the love is still there. And even though he's going against many things that he is being taught at that time or when growing up, everyone's path is different and that's okay. And at the end, the key is to be, strive to be a good person, regardless of what religion you're part of, regardless which 
church or temple you find yourself is that just how you treat others is really important. And at the end of the day, that's what matters more than anything else. That is how you treat others. And there might be moments where you might feel a little hardened and it makes it a little harder to treat others how you want to treat them. But you need to send recenter yourself, be true to yourself and be kind to others regardless of how they're being to you. Yeah. And it's up to them to figure out themselves. You're not there to do that. And hopefully by you being true to yourself will inspire others to do that too. Um, because this world, this society was not set up for people like you, for us. It's going to take additional strength to get to where you want to, but you eventually will. Yeah. Um, and I think another reminder, it's not going to go according to plan. Yeah. And that's totally, totally okay. Marcos, that was so beautiful. You hear that 18-year-old Marcos? <laughs> that sweet Latin dancing boy <laughs> that had all the girls swooning. Like, really? I can name a couple. And I'm sure had had boys swooning, too. They just were probably afraid. But... We were living la vida loca, weren't we? Oh, my God. I'm living the... <laughs> or this, I mean, the song that came to mind was like, Bailamos. I mean, lots of Enrique Iglesias. Oh, yes. yes. For sure. <laughs> lots and lots of Enrique Iglesias. With those chunky late 90s, early 2000s shoes. Oh, my God. We were floor. just like, we were at our prime. I mean, we've gotten better now. We're still fabulous, but still like... Hey, all those styles are back now. All those oh, my God. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, Marcos, you are, you are something else, my love. Um, I have a feeling that that is going to help so many people what you've gone through and the words that you spoke to your younger self. Thank you for being the strong, amazing, powerful human that you are that's just blessing this world with your light and your just like extreme empathy. Like you've always been that way. Just like Christina Paz, like, let's be nice. Like you would always do that to me because it's kind of mean. Like Christina, be nice. I'm like, I don't want to be nice. But it's just, it's just, it's just always shown through you just that you're just this kind, kind, kind human being. And I just admire that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, Yes. Last question. What is something that you are grateful for today? Ooh, I'm grateful for this opportunity. I'm very grateful to to have this conversation with you, and to be able, yeah to be able to have this conversation about myself to you with you, and as you're starting your own new journey, it's so exciting. I'm so Thank happy you. for you. Thank you. So that's number one. I'm thankful that. You know, it's so easy to get caught up in the daily grind. Mm -hmm. And the daily grind awaits me later today. (laughs) Um, I have a lot of work to do. But, you know, this conversation is a good reminder that I'm lucky to have that work to do. You know what I mean? And so sometimes what can feel like a burden in the moment, it's like you have to check your privilege, remember your blessings, and remember what you have to do. So I am thankful that I have that work to do and that I'm able to do it. Yeah. um, And to have opportunities. And 
you know, I'm also very thankful that I have love. You know, I'm, I'm very, very thankful that I have love to receive and love to give. I think today those are some things that I, I would definitely be thankful for. How about you? <laughs> You're trying to get on me. <laughs> yeah, if you don't mind, I'll put you in the hot seat. <laughs> oh, God. Oof, here we go. Um, no, I'm also grateful for this experience and the time that you've taken to to sit with little me and um, to share your story. I, our relationship has evolved. Like we've, I feel like we've always been connected, but it hasn't been as intentionally intertwined as, as I would have liked. Um, and I'm just grateful that you've accepted my proposition to have you share your story, the story that I've been curious about um, for so long and not really having the bravery slash words to come to you and say, like, how do I, you know, I want to know more about this time in your life that I wasn't a part of, mm-hmm. you know, and that I'm very curious about. And I feel like we could have more conversations about this and maybe we'll have to turn it into another another episode at some point. But just, yeah. you know, I'm I'm curious more about, like, I don't have a lot of language for, you know, how people identify, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm still learning a lot about even just within the spectrum of the LGBTQ plus community and even within like how we identify culturally and traditionally, like, you know, our an- ancestrally, you know, like what's the difference between Latin and Chicano and are they the same? There's mm-hmm. just like so much that, but I'm grateful that you have, you're teaching me and I'm grateful for this learning experience to, to have that with one of the best, I consider one of the best teachers because you're just so gentle and warm. And I'm sure that any question that someone would, would approach you with that you would just come at it with such grace and openness and kindness that it would be very easy to be able to connect with you and ask some of the hard questions. So I am grateful for the time that you've taken to sit with me and to teach me about things that you've you've learned and experienced. And um, I'm grateful for the universe just kind of opening this path for me. Um, it's scary as hell. <laughs> um, but I, I really want to be able to share stories like yours because I, I know that it'll help so many people and um, – just being able to have conversations, there's not really a, a space to do it sometimes. You know, mm-hmm. I feel maybe that's just my own personal shit that I'm like, oh, God, I, how do I have a conversation with a friend and ask them some stuff that I should have been curious about years ago? But, you know, that's my own shadow. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I just I, I want to be able to be more authentic and say, hey. I may or may not have fucked up at some point <laughs> and I want to be better and I want to know more about, about you as a person. So I'm grateful for you taking the time to do that. So thank you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you again for having me here. And yeah. thank you for caring enough to oh. ask and to want to know my story because once again, I feel like it's so easy to make like assumptions or the, for people to draw their own conclusions yeah. like from the outside if they weren't there at my side during those tumultuous years. So I appreciate you caring and wanting yeah. to know and letting me share. So um, thank you. And once again, best luck on this new journey for you. I know you're going to be fabulous. And <laughs> I, <hope>. um, <laughs> I look forward to tuning in. So thank yes, you again. I sincerely you. appreciate it. Yeah. Well, that's, 
the first episode, y'all. I appreciate you being here with us. And thank you, Marcos, for just being the ultimate first guest and just being an absolute delight. Thank you so much for listening today and allowing us to be a part of your day. If you would like more information on Leaving in Color or to be a guest on our show, you can find us on Instagram at leavingincolor.pod or email us at leavingincolorpod at gmail.com. If this episode resonated with you in any way or made you think of a loved one or a friend, please tell them about it. Your support generates more abundance collectively, so please subscribe to Leaving in Color wherever you listen to podcasts. Like all beautifully crafted pieces, this podcast was co-created by the most talented humans. Our music is by the melodic master, Tucker Winters. Our lovely cover art is by the multifaceted Jen of all trades, Jen Cagle Gilmore. Leaving in Color is masterfully produced in conjunction with Particulate Media, K.O. Myers, executive producer. And I am Christina Elmer. See you next time.